Hello and welcome to Stray Reads, a book club podcast in which we read one book a month. Um, today joining me as always is my co-host uh, Sol. Hi! Hello! Hey! Um, what have you been up to? We haven't recorded in a while. Kind of had to push this one uh, a couple of times. Yeah, just because of the holidays and everything. Um, been doing a little bit of reading. Um, not too much though. I think we talked about... I think I've only actually read one book since like the the dark half, mm. uh, which was uh, Neuromancer. I think we we talked a little bit about it. Um, oh, you mentioned it, yeah. Yeah, I, I I ended up really enjoying it. So I was a little surprised because sometimes it's, you know really like I guess hard sci-fi isn't usually my cup of tea, but I really enjoyed it. Um, so I think that's really the only thing I've been. Uh, reading lately other than you know the book we're going to talk about um today um i did which start... is also sci-fi yes which is also sci-fi so again a little bit out of my my <laughs> wheelhouse um i did start the last of the bronte sisters books the professor which is charlotte bronte's mm. first book that i believe was published after she uh passed away um so sort of the end of that journey um i'm liking it so far um in the introduction, they said she took some of the notes from or some of the plot and themes and put it in some of her other later works when she felt a little bit more that, that she could explore those themes a little bit better. So I'm interested to see, you know, how I end up liking it overall. It's a lot shorter than her other books, though. Cool. Yeah, very much looking forward to your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, definitely, a, you know, a collection of books that I have read nothing of. So very curious about what you think. Yeah, definitely. Next time we meet, I will let you know some of my rankings where I'm sort of feeling of the the Bronte sisters overall. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. On my end, I feel like December has brought with it all of my missing reading energy from this year. Uh, I've read so much this month. I think partially it was because I noticed that my reading goal that I had set on Goodreads, which is a site I have a love and hate relationship with. Um, I think we a, all do. <laughs> was a couple books off. Um, so I kind of got into reading and I really got into reading. So <laughs> I'm counting them now after reading Translation State, which is our book for this month. Uh, I read... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven books. This I'm very month? close to. Yes, I'm very close oh, to finishing an eighth uh, book, and that's including next month's book. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much kind of running ahead on our schedule uh, just because of all of the reading energy that has come back in full force uh, after a year of. I mean, it's not lackluster. I still read something like 50 something books, um, but not. Not my usual kind of speed, uh, even though I did play a lot of video games, so I'm, I'm blaming that, probably. Um, but anyway, I read... Uh, I finished The Citadel of the Odd Torch, which uh, is the last... It, it is the fourth book in the Book of the New Sun kind of saga mm-hmm. uh, by Gene Wolf. Um, it is not the last book in that saga. That's kind. Of, it's a little messy how that's structured. Um, I think that might be actually a little similar to how uh, Sanderson does it, uh, except in a way more kind of classical fantasy way, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that's the end of the main four books uh, line, uh, which is, you know, interesting enough. I had a love and hate relationship with that saga. Uh, it's kind of interesting. It's very wild. If it wasn't for the podcast I was accompanying it with, I probably wouldn't have finished it uh, because I just think it's not particularly concerned with the things I like about fantasy. Um, but yeah, it, it's very interesting. I'm glad to have read it kind of like through a critical lens uh, alongside that other podcast, uh, Shelf by Yandra, which uh, is actually starting Earthsea next uh, episode. And I'm very excited about like listening oh, to really? their takes on the yeah. series. Yes, uh, I'm very excited about that. So definitely continuing my, my listening with them. And I don't get to follow along, or at least I don't have to read uh, all of the books again because I've read them several times including this year so I'm more than ready to listen to those episodes now as soon as they release um, another thing I read was uh, Mammoths at the Gates which is the I want to say fourth or fifth book or rather novella it's it's a short kind of uh, novel in the uh, Singing Hills cycle I think that's what the yes that's what the series is called it's a series of uh, novellas written by Njivo, which I'm hoping I'm pronouncing right. Um, and it's generally about this wandering monk in fantasy Asia, whereabouts of like China, uh, that it belongs to this monastic order that is dedicated to collecting stories. So he's like trying to get the oral story of peoples in different towns and as they travel uh, around, they meet characters, and these characters kind of tell folk tales to the monk and uh, his bird partner, who can talk and he has like perfect memory, so they can record the stories this way. They're incredibly cozy novellas that I wholeheartedly recommend. I really like uh, this last entry. It's number four, uh, Mammoths at the Gates. Uh, especially because I thought the third one was a little weak and I was a little disappointed by it and I thought, oh, is the series kind of like spinning its wheels? Are we at the point where I'm growing bored with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, no, number four brought me back. It's got this interesting premise where the monk like comes back to his abbey uh, for the first time uh, in the entire series. So there's a lot of novelty in that and there's this like mystery that's occurring as they show up uh, and the way that it resolves is interesting and the characters that are introduced are interesting and I really liked all the tales that come out of the kind of setup for the novella so I I really really enjoyed that Uh, I think they're very good uh, fantasy kind of short stories Um, yeah just a very cozy time I really enjoyed that one Uh, afterwards I read another uh, fantasy novella, which is Untethered Sky by Fonda Lee, who wrote the Greenbone saga, um, which is kind of, I think, her best-known work. Uh, In this one, it's a short story about a uh, rook trainer, uh, rook being this uh, mythological kind of creature, that can fly. They're basically very, very big birds. Uh, and they're dedicated to killing manticores, which in this kind of setting 
uh, kind of terrorized the countryside. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I didn't like it as much as I enjoyed Mammoths at the Gate, but I thought it was entertaining enough, and it was very short, so it didn't get the chance to to bore me. Basically, uh, <laughs> yeah, good good time. Uh, afterwards, I read System Collapse, which is the next Murderbot uh, novel. This is the second full novel in a series of, I believe it's five novellas and now two novels. I liked it. This was another case of me thinking, oh, is the series, again, kind of getting bored for me because it's kind of like the same thing every time and I've read so much of this series that it doesn't feel like there's a lot of new ideas that can be kind of developed for it. Um, and then, no, I, I think this one actually also brought me back uh, to a series where I thought the last book was a little weak. It was not a novella, so it did get the chance to bore me, and it did. I By the time <laughs> that I finished with that sixth book, which I think is called Network Effect, I was kind of a little checked out. Um, and this one did not start with The Best Foot, because it's kind of like an immediate sequel. I would say that it's kind of a duology, uh, the, the previous book and this one. Uh, so I was kind of hesitant to read a, a book that was a direct follow-up to the one that I didn't like. Uh, but no, this one had enough kind of like new ideas. I think the author Martha Wells kind of realized um, that I was getting bored, <laughs> that, that she didn't... She, wasn't <laughs> she personally realized. As many, yeah, she wasn't spinning as many, as many new ideas as she was in the early books. And I thought this one kind of developed the character in an interesting direction that I could get behind and uh, it kind of like emphasized things I thought were interesting and introduced some interesting new ideas. Um, so yeah, I'm now excited for whatever comes next. Um, it is a full novel. I th still think that Murderbot works best as a novella, like the ones we covered for the podcast uh, early on. I think those are way more like snappy and interesting and don't uh, are really well paced. Um, so I think the format just fits uh, her writing style and the Murderbot premise better. Um, but, you know, I, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt to whatever comes next. Uh, I did enjoy System Collapse uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to say... Oh, yeah, go oh, I was just going to say that, yeah, I really felt that that series really sh shown best is like, you know, little, little stories sort of throughout yeah. the world. And it's, you know kind of one of the reasons I think I've been a little hesitant to sort of continue with some of the fuller narratives just because I feel like I too would agree with you I might get bored and just it, it mm -hmm. may not be as successful and I, I just feel like the highs of when we did read the murder bots I, I felt like that was high highs and I really don't want to like end up disappointing myself um it's another reason why I've sort of hesitated continuing reading like the witcher series because i've mm, read mm -hmm. all of the short stories but i'm like i don't really know how this will work as like a long narrative so it's it yeah i i agree with you definitely can be a little disappointing when you sort of are used to that kind of shorter form format and then you know having to read the whole like the novel experience yeah absolutely um i i just feel like there are setups like characters and settings that feel more like they are suitable for like a blockbuster kind of in and out movie uh, instead of like a three hour long overwrought uh, drama and I 
I feel like that's what network effect kind of felt like for me. Um, trying to trying to make a big deal out of what is essentially you're kind of uh, again a blockbuster film, something that that I can just kind of shut down my brain at. Uh, mm-hmm. and not that's not to say Murderbot is not does not have any interesting ideas or or themes or anything. Um, but you know, I, there's only so much I can take of of the <laughs> of the kind of setup uh, and the weight of it. Um, so yeah, I I do think the novella works best for Murderbot. Uh, but yeah, yeah I'm, very... I'm willing to see where that goes. Yeah, it's very episodic. So hopefully yeah. the, the next book is a little bit more successful and continues the upward yeah, and, trend. And the novellas are like super vengeful. Like you can probably read through all five of them in like a week uh, and feel good about it. Uh, and they're very snappy. They feel like very uh, self-contained things rather than this. Like I'm taking five days to go through a single adventure, which again feels like feels like it's very bloated uh because it has to feel a whole book mm-hmm. uh so yeah i i do think i do think like the snappier pace works best for for murder uh but anyway continuing my incredible streak of <laughs> uh books in december i read the inkle which is a uh graphic novel um it's it's a graphic novel that's been called one of the best of all time and so on and so forth. It's kind of a classic of the genre. Uh, it's by Alejandro Jodorowsky, who people mostly know for his uh, version of Dune, and then some surreal films like El Topo and The Holy Mountain. Um, and then it's illustrated by Mobius, who's uh, a very kind of famous illustrator. Um, if you kind of care about famous illustrators in comics. Uh, he's French, if I'm not mistaken. He's very famous for uh, a character or series he developed called Arsac, uh, who's a lot of sci-fi has taken inspiration from. Um, yeah, I, it's a really weird uh, graphic novel, basically. Uh, sci-fi graphic novel. Um, it kind of takes very like the space opera uh tropes but and tries to do some political commentary and like social commentary it's about uh john de fool (laughs) who's a kind of a layman detective in a living in a very dystopic world um and then he goes on an adventure that ends up like saving the world and along the way there's very surreal stuff going on uh, there's a guy with a wolf head who's called the wolf head, uh, that joins his party. It, it goes, it, it threads a need, uh, it threads a needle very carefully between kind of interesting social commentary or like pushing an ideology, uh, that at some points seems to make sense and at some others seems to be kind of revealing of uh Jodorowsky's kind of shortcomings in terms of uh his his progressive attitude uh and then can also be incredibly silly and like he's very much in the space of like political satire and uh comedy in general 
Uh, but it, it's interesting. It has some wild illustrations. Again, Mobius's illustrations really uh, do do a lot of work to make it as iconic as it is. Um, and Jodorowsky's ideas and, and wild concepts uh, definitely gave him some space to try some, some wild stuff uh, <laughs> with colors and uh, his classic style, which is very much about like things rarely have outlines and uh you know, he really does a lot with like crazy colors everywhere and interesting palettes um so yeah it's it's a very interesting book uh graphic novel afterwards i read the book we're talking about next month so i'm gonna save that for later um and then finally i just finished very recently a uh, live ceremony which is sayaka murata's um short story collection and mm-hmm. with that, I've read all of her books that have been translated into English. Uh, she's very much known for, um, what's it called? Convenience Store Woman, uh, which is a really fascinating book that I love. Um, he's also somewhat known for um, Earthlings, which is a book that I also love, but comes with a lot of content warnings for um, for stuff like uh, sex uh, with minors and uh, other icky stuff that, uh, you know, it's just not for everyone, but uh, she's so sharp in her societal critique, uh, mostly aimed at uh, Japan, uh, that I I really, really love what she does. Um, and this one is no different. Uh, it comes with also a lot of content warnings, like cannibalism and weird body stuff and sex stuff. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed reading through these uh, weird stories. I finished it in like two days. Uh, I, I couldn't put it down. Uh, so yeah, another another fantastic uh, kind of contribution from uh, Murata there. Uh, and that's about it. That's everything I've read this <laughs> month. Uh, I'm currently reading Earth of the New Sun. Uh, I mentioned that I finished a fourth book of the kind of like the main series, and that's the end of the main series. But there's this like epilogue book that not a lot of people like, so I'm kind of hate reading it. Uh, oh. But they read it on the podcast, on the podcast, and I also wanted to read it so I could listen to the episode uh, and kind of had the context for it. So I'm going through that kind of skimming through it at times. Uh, but I'm hoping to finish that either. Uh, tomorrow or the day after just so i can you know move on to the next book yeah (laughs) and i i'm not enjoying it particularly like again it's a a series i kind of forced my way through just to be able to uh enjoy the critical analysis from people that really know their stuff um so that's why i'm reading it um but yeah again kind of uh not making a super conscious decision to uh make the reading experience very memorable, so I'm just like flying through it, uh, getting it done as, as soon as possible. But yeah, that's it. That was a lot. Uh, kind of contrary to my to this year's philosophy of taking my time, uh, but you know, for some reason, it, it just my brain decided it was time to read, so I read. Sometimes, uh, you know, you gotta read when inspiration hits, and sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. Do you want to talk about this month's book? Yeah, let's let's dive in. All right. Uh, so this month's book is Translation State by Anne Leckie. Uh, very much uh, on my wheelhouse. 
you already mentioned you are not usually a sci-fi reader or uh, not particularly interested in that genre, uh, which is the total opposite for me. I do love uh, sci-fi. Some of my favorite books are like mostly sci-fi books. And I think I'm very happy uh, about choosing this one. I had mentioned previously that I had finished the Imperial Ratch trilogy in this uh, podcast. Uh, and this is kind of adjacent to that. Uh, same author, obviously, that's Anleki, uh, who wrote Ancillary Justice, Ancillary Mercy, and Ancillary... Uh, oh no, I'm forgetting the third one. Uh, but this one is kind of like an adjacent uh, work that's occurring in the same universe, uh, it's a sequel to those books, uh, but it's very much a standalone, and I, even though I'm glad I read the Imperial Wretch trilogy before, I don't think it's necessarily a requirement to, to enjoy Translation State. So do you, do you want to give me some initial impressions uh, about the book? What do you think? Yeah, I would say, um, I think we talked a little bit about it, or maybe we mentioned it, um, I think at one point you were saying that this this book was a little bit more low stakes or a little bit more character driven mm. as compared to the the previous series you had read. But I would say, you know, even though it was you know a little bit more character driven, I I really do feel like the stakes, at least for the characters themselves, was really you know high. You know, they yes. There was, you know, so much tied into I think you know all of their identities that was sort of you know, even though it was like just a day in their life or, you know, a couple weeks actually, but, you know, you weren't necessarily having like this big world ending conflict, but, you know, really just this intimate story. And I think that really made it a lot easier for me to grab onto because, um, you know, the sci-fi I do like, I like a little bit more, I think more of like the big sort of expressive like soap opera or space opera type of, a, hmm. you know, series, that kind of stuff where it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it's really just about the journey or the characters or, you know, the adventures. And I, you know, I, I was a little hesitant at first, you know, to see, you know, you know, would I like this or would it be too dry for me? But I think just... Um, you know, even that opening chapter with, with N.A. and just the whole funeral and all of that and just, there was a lot there. I found myself, you know, <laughs> feeling very attached to all of the characters and, you know, having had similar thoughts to some of the, you know, the characters and just, you know, having that sort of being in that place where you're sort of feeling like, you know, where do I go from here and sort of being pulled in different directions sometimes, not necessarily you know, through your, you know, anything you've done, you know, you mm -hmm. sort of being passive as, as life goes around you. So I, yeah, I really thought it was a very strong opening because I was expecting to, you know, take a while to really care about any of the characters or really get it. But I think, you know, it was from just that, you know, whole intro, it just, it grabbed me right away. Yeah, I was actually thinking about what I had said earlier about uh, this being low stakes, and by earlier, I mean earlier in the month when we were talking about the book. Um, I don't think it is necessarily low stakes, but it's per very personal stakes. Uh, and even so, like uh, I feel like Anne Lecky really figures out how to tie those personal stakes to the bigger narrative of this universe. And, uh, you know, it, it 
really does tie very smartly into her whole uh, kind of galaxy level narrative and the things that are going on with the uh, kind of AI brains in the ships that comes into play later in the book. Uh, kind of very, again, <clears throat> adjacent. Like, there's a parallel narrative going on uh, uh, in how Sphine, who's a, uh, again, character that arrives later in the book, that comes from uh, Lucky's uh, Imperial Ratch trilogy, uh, kind of get, becomes interested in this whole kind of family drama that's going on. Uh, because it ties very neatly into a case uh, they're trying to make for uh, themselves back in kind of like the other narrative. So I, I think it's very smart, you know, in the way that it sets up a very uh, personal set of stakes, uh, while at the same time kind of uh, creating big implications for like the politics of the world or the galaxy in this case. Um, I, I really think it's it's very smart the way it's set up. And I do agree uh, that characters are very relatable. Um, definitely not a space opera either. This is not like a planet hopping adventure. It's, uh, it's more about, again, very exploratory about identity and, uh, you know, what makes us what we are and genetics versus kind of like life experience and uh, our own decisions in defining who we are and, and things like that, which I, you know, are themes that I really resonate with and that actually make me think of other authors, um, like, again, Martha Wells with her Murderbot uh, series is someone that I think explores this quite well. Um, it also yeah, reminds I was gonna... me... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, that was one of the things that did come to mind, um, especially with Reet, um, you know, any time, yes. you know, he was on the scene, I was thinking like murder bots. So I, I, there was a lot of similarities there and just, yeah, I think both of, both authors do a great job of sort of seeing, you know, with sci-fi, you know, how far you can take that identity uh, or that concept of identity and really explore it and find, you know, ways to really communicate that with the character. So I, I would say both of those, you know, this book and, you know, the murder bot series that we read have that in common for sure. Yeah. I was also going to say that another author that also I think deals with this quite well is uh, Becky Chambers. I don't know if you've read any of her books. Um, she has this, kind of anthology franchise or series that's called Wayfires. Um, the first book in the series is called The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. Uh, it goes on from there. Uh, but it's also very much this kind of writing where you've got very personal stakes. In her case, they don't really tie into any huge narrative. I it, Like, it does have consequences and, like, implications, but uh, it's more for the the characters own lives rather than you know lives uh world saving stakes or anything um but it's also very much about bringing in several people from different walks of life um and then having them interact together and seeing how they can solve uh you know whatever challenge they face uh by again pulling in together and uh becoming not a found family these are not really found family books but they're more like found team books like uh, people that didn't believe they would ever work together, uh, yeah, coming together to uh, achieve a common goal. Uh, so if you enjoyed Translation State, I would definitely recommend the entirety of the Wayfarers um, 
uh, series or kind of anthology since they're all pretty much standalone books that very much like this one happen in the same universe as uh, the the books that are shared within that universe. Um, so yeah. Um, in translation state, I think we've already hinted at this, but uh, there are three point of view characters, mostly. One of them is uh, an I. I don't know how you pronounced it. You pronounced it differently, and I don't remember how you did. Oh, um, N-A, like, uh, N-A? you know, yeah, yeah like, not any, because I, I listened to the audiobook, and that's how they pronounced it. Oh, okay. It, so. N-A. Uh, so we've got an A who kind of gets her life appended when her grandmother dies, or her kind of alien equivalent of grandmother dies, um, who she had lived with and was kind of her caretaker uh, before her death. Um and then they are kind of left in a very awkward position where the house is passed on to a to someone she never met, uh, but who kind of made an arrangement with her grandmother to take care of Enai. And then they decide that the way they're going to do that is by giving her a job to try to solve a mystery from 200 years ago about <laughs> a missing alien. And she has to go like to you know, out into space to figure out where this alien went, uh, and they don't expect her to actually do it. It's kind of like to keep her entertained. Um, and she yeah, kind they of said it was a little accepts, bit to keep her. Yeah, sorry, yeah, to keep her entertained and also to, I guess, keep her out of the the house. So like yes. her more, or I guess their more legitimate claim doesn't uh, affect you know this person that's just coming in. That's basically new money. That's basically yes. bought their family title which is a very interesting concept it's very yeah it's very messy kind of like the circumstance that na uh finds herself in um and then she accepts the job kind of out of spite <laughs> like she she's not really like sold uh the this idea of going after this uh mystery she's also i think she's said to be at least middle-aged, so it's not like this is, again, a young adventurer sort of character. She's most, she's kind of like more experienced and she's kind of invested most of her life into taking care of her grandma and living in this house. So, you know, this kind of world hopping adventure isn't exactly her style, but she still, you know, accepts uh, because I guess the proposal is too good. She's getting like a lot of money and she's uh, you know, only required to report so often to her handler at the like ministry that handles this case. Um, so yeah, she ends up accepting and and you know traveling around. Um, our second character is Rit, who we also already mentioned, who's kind of like a misfit uh, that lives in this planet, and he's kind of like a cleaner. Um, he's got this kind of dead end job. He is kind of socially, um. He doesn't fit in well with his peers, uh, mostly because uh, he kind of has intrusive thoughts about eating people or uh, harming people that he's kind of struggled with uh, his whole life. And he's really not found himself in this community that he lives in. Uh, in this subplot, I think there's uh, the most kind of confusing or incomplete. Uh, it's kind of like the bit that I did not dislike but feel like could have been better uh exposited about which is um he lives in this planet that belongs to the 
a kind of empire or uh, like conquest-driven civilization called the Fen, who previously had conquered another group called the Hikipi, um, and kind of banned their religion and a lot of their cultural kind of aspects. And then he's picked up by this uh, by a group of followers, uh, kind of descendants and immigrants uh, that come from this uh, culture, the Hikipi. They're called the Brothers of Hikipi, who are convinced that he's a, the descendant of their kind of religious leader and like a political leader at the station that was destroyed by the Fen, um, and kind of take him in and give him a better job. Um, and yeah, kind of form a community for him. And he, he's like taken in by this community. And then the last character that gets introduced, or at least the one that kind of gets uh, into, uh, again switched around with for all of the chapters is uh, Cuban. Is this how it is pronounced? I did not listen to the audiobook. I think they said Quen. Quen? Oh, okay. Quen. So. Yeah. Yeah, taking the the VSU uh, then Quen, yeah. yeah, um, and he's a Presger translator who is a very weird alien civilization that the humans uh, kind of have been able to keep at bay, or rather, like the other alien societies have been able to keep at bay through a um, treaty that the Ratch uh, Empire negotiated with the Presker, uh, because else the Presker just obliterate uh, everything else. Um, and they have a very different understanding of life and culture and society in general, so they're incredibly hard to understand. And this is where the Presker translators come in, which is basically like homegrown, uh, human-like uh, agents or, or people. Uh, that get trained in the ways of both uh, Presger and, again, sentient human-like society, so they are able to like interface between the two and serve as a bridge, uh, so that the two can communicate uh, as much as they are able to, given their incredible like physical and societal and everything differences, um, which is a very interesting uh, kind of. Uh, side to the story. I, I really like everything surrounding the Presgers. Uh, they also make an appearance and they have a very kind of big influence on the previous trilogy by uh, by the author. So I love that we get a point of view character that's one of them here. Even if that point of view character isn't a full-fledged like either a Presger or a Presger translator since they're kind of in training um, we get a few chapters that are very trippy about their uh, infants, uh, and like then infancy, yeah, yeah, and then things come become a little more subdued or like grounded once they're in training because you know they're living in a kind of station that's dedicated to simulating human life or what they might encounter in other non-Presger planets. So it's it's kind of very interesting to see from the lens of this alien culture how they train their junglings to be humans uh, when they don't parties. really understand them themselves. Um, but yeah, so out of this trio, who did you enjoy the most? 
Ooh, that's hard. I, I maybe Quen. I just I hmm. I originally thought like as I was reading, I was wondering if like each storyline was just gonna continue to be remain like separate. Um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, as as we go, all the characters sort of eventually meet up and, and inter interconnect. But I was I was really wondering if it was just gonna be like you know sort of three separate stories that kind of semi affected each other. Um, but yeah, it was. It was really hard hard to choose, I think, like an <laughs> overall favorite, because I think they were all very good characters in, in different ways, you know, and, you know, a lot of the, the world building and backstory you were just explaining, like, if it, the book had just been that, like, I don't know if I would have, in, in not have, like, as rich characters as it did, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. I think... Um, right. Allowing each character to breathe and really have... Um, I don't it just yeah have its own sort of goal and search you know for identity really I think helped you know flesh each one of them out mm-hmm. um and um really is what made made the book for me um I think if I had like a critique, you know, I would say, you know, once you know they sort of all met up sort of more towards the end of the book and it was a little less separated i think that's when things slowed down a little bit for me when it wasn't so much about the journey or their introspective or thoughts about you know some of the things that were happening to them i think that was a little weaker for me but i still really did enjoy that but i think i think really the highlight really was the the characters and then you know just meeting just a very diverse cast of of people sort of throughout this galaxy really kept it kept yes. it interesting for me as well cuz you know even some of the bit characters were were fascinating and just some of them were just you know in roles or occupations that I wouldn't even really have thought you know about you know being mentioned but it, it worked you know it's just like in yeah yeah absolutely i do think that Reed gets down a little dirty in the book. I feel like once they all kind of collide and, and come together, uh, Quen kind of takes over as the protagonist. Uh, and that's, I think, partially why I also think that Quen is probably my favorite character in the book. Um, it's funny because, well, the, the way things end up colliding is um, N.A. stumbles upon Reed, who is assigned as her kind of like... Uh, diplomat escort as she makes her way through the planet since she has tracked down these she she has of uh, like a very loose lead of where that alien that she's been tracking might have gone who turns out to be a presger uh translator themselves who kind of escaped the presger um 200 years ago um she ends up figuring out that it's reed who is the descendant of this presger uh contrary to what or rather kind of in complement to what the brothers of Hikipi believe, um, since what we end up finding out at the very end is this Presker uh, alien escaped the Presker society 200 years ago, kind of became the leader of the Hikipi culture in this love-hate station, which was um, destroyed by the Fen. Uh, their offspring eventually made it off that station and was able to escape, and that's where Reed comes from, kind of like from that uh, line of descendants. Um, but, you know, his nature as a Presger translation uh, translator kind of takes over the interest of all political entities. He is uh, 
identified as a Presger and as such, is going to basically melt with someone as part of a, uh, of his like physical maturation process. Uh, is considered dangerous and then is transported to this kind of like uh, diplomatic station, uh, which is basically a courtroom where his identity is going to be decided whether he's whether he kind of gets uh, sent back to the Presker or if he's gonna have the chance to declare himself a you know some other entity and kind of get, decide how he lives. Um, and then the way Reed comes into the story is uh, he basically gets introduced to you mean uh, Reed uh, as a potential kind of mate for this. Uh, kind of mating process. It's not exactly a mating process. It's kind of like a just a part of the Presger's kind of maturity cycle where they kind of merge uh, yeah, with a they, partner. And, yeah, they called but, it like really uh, yeah, they called it like matching. So I sort of almost yes, figured, matching. Like, pic- pictured it like two puzzle pieces like coming together to make like something like that. Yeah, yeah. Except we later find out that it's not really merging because they do not become one single entity. They like stay as two, but they share their consciousness uh, because we end up finding out also that there's like two of each Prescott translator that is that same Prescott translator. Um, they're weird aliens. I love them. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely. It's definitely a strong visual, and uh, yes, yes, I, I was really happy because I, I, in terms of just being able to sort of explore this new world in in this book, and I, you know, sometimes I feel like it's easy just to make an alien and just make it look weird, but I feel like it really yes. this book got into sort of like how you know these species would work like you know really got into like the nitty-gritty of like society and like all the like the little tea parties they were having and yes you know their actual fears yeah which i think is very funny um the ratch who, who don't really make an appearance here they're kind of like background like a background entity that looms over the whole thing which is the big galactic empire that rules everything um which is interesting because within this book we also have the Fen, which is all a smaller galactic empire that kind of rules very little, but they somehow managed to become a little autonomous um, and survive without the Ratch. Uh, it's it's like a looming threat over them. Um, but I, I do like the bit of the tea parties because it recalls kind of like the British Empire in a way. It makes that uh, <laughs> parallel. And it's very funny. I feel like it's almost a comedic bit how they keep having tea parties because the Ratch love tea parties. So they, you know, it's one of the things they practice the most, like the tea party ritual, uh, which is like coming out with small talk and, and stuff like that. I, I think it's really funny. I think it's very charming. Yeah, one of the best scenes was when Quen was like threatened and they were having like a tea party and it's just like the other person or the other alien was like you know at the end was like this is great tea basically and it was just like yes. such a such a <laughs> weird scene and there's just like a lot of there's a little lot of moments of like little little humor and i think it's, it's sort yes. of fun that it, it feels like a real world when you can start to poke fun at it there's also a couple of bits of um about finding coffee or you know characters looking for coffee because i think the system they're in doesn't oh, have yes. any and it's like only tea so there's a whole whole community yes. bit about that yeah yeah it, it's very good i think that's very funny um so yeah the first part of the book is mostly about an a uh again just traveling around figuring out where that alien is and stumbling upon reed 
Um, there's a little subplot about her getting mugged by a hikipi, uh, but that's about it. She kind of gets her stuff stolen, then we find out that's a spy, uh, because they, the brothers of hikipi suspect her of being a spy for the fan. Um, Reed's story is about kind of finding himself, finding a, uh, a place in this community of the brothers of hikipi and wondering if he's uh, Shan, which is this... Uh, kind of, again, political line within the love-hate station that was destroyed by the Fen, uh, that he suspected of being a descendant of. Um, and then uh, Quen's story is mostly about him growing as a Presker translator, being a very promising kind of like upstart, and then having this very traumatic experience. Uh, first in which he stumbles upon... Um, some Presger junglings matching when they shouldn't have, and like uh, the trauma that came with basically walking in on this uh, ball of flesh, like me melting flesh, uh, kind of having a, I guess, the, the equivalent of an orgy, um, and then being forced by another of the students, by like the, another potential Presger translator to match with them, and then only barely making it out, uh, but not completely, which makes him kind of like a reject on his line. Uh, so the promising future he had and the person they were going to match them with, who they had doubts about matching with anyway, um, kind of gets uh, removed from his future and then he's kind of left to uh, kind of He's left with the promise that if he behaves, he might have a future after all, uh, but then he doesn't really uh, get done much with until uh, Reed comes in and uh, they decide that since Reed is kind of like another failed project and Quen is a failed project, they might as well match together uh, so they can be a, you know, a, a failed Salvage project it, together, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, they are also interested in extracting knowledge from Reed because he kind of becomes like the perfect, like an ideal uh, Presger translator kind of like source of data. Not They don't see him really as a person. They see him as, you know, we might be able to extract enough information from his experience uh, living in a world as an actual citizen of that world uh, so that we can improve our translation abilities, basically. Uh, they probably plan to dispose of them later. Um, so that's uh, also interesting. And then the rest of the book, once all of them collide together, is uh, about N.A. trying to save uh, both Reed and later Quen when they find out that uh, becoming something else than a translator is a potential thing that they could do uh, after Reed kind of radicalizes them in a hour-long conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, and then... Uh, they bond over watching a TV show, which is also very reminiscing of Murderbot. See, yeah, um, that's that's that was my connection. Yeah, it was like yes. the, the pirate drama and just they have this pirate drama and they kind of bond over the characters and uh, Quinn learns a lot about again identity and uh, society and culture from it. Uh, some of the ideas again kind of through the lens of a, an action TV show, like a very tropey, kind of cheesy action TV show, which is also very kind of endearing. Um, uh, but yeah, basically it's about them being in this long court case, uh, fighting for their identity alongside also Reed's uh, parents, who we haven't mentioned and are outstanding characters, I think. Uh, yes, just, yes. you know, him having a supporting family 
is such a nice touch. Uh, and them being so supportive of Quen once they meet him is also very heartwarming to me. Like Quen having this revelation of there being people that uh, he can call not parents, but like family or uh, friends or that they would uh, you know sacrifice for is is very cute and very charming. And I, I love all of that stuff. All of that like mellow, uh, again, uh, hard wrenching stuff. Yeah, I agree. It was it was. Yeah, I love those characters. I I I really just I'm just thinking about the end now with with Quan and just them you know, basically deciding they're human and deciding they want a family and really finding that acceptance and that they don't have to, you know, match and basically fade away. Like they're, they have other yes. options. They have, you know, things. And then, yeah, that, that really was, was the stronger part of the, the last half of the act. It did get a little weird for me when we, we, I don't know if we mentioned it, like there was like the assassination attempt and then like, yes, we then we kind of ended up like in liminal space, like where the, yes. the station they're on just kind of like they all end up going in like different pockets of like reality. And this, this part was a little confusing for me. I, I did, did like the like um, introspective that the characters were having, but like visually I was, I was struggling a little bit to actually follow Yes. some of what was happening here. Yeah, um, it's funny. I think the court case itself is kind of like a foregone conclusion. We have some arguments made in favor and against. Um, there is overwhelming uh, uh, support for uh, giving Quen and Reed, again, kind of full rights to decide for themselves who they want to be. Uh, there is some concern about, again, the whole matching process, which could... Uh, be potentially harmful to humans and the aliens around it, but like, you know, they they get some possibilities tossed around, like Reed and Quen matching after all, uh, you know, just willingly and with no political interests in between, uh, or matching with a uh, mech, kind of like a spider mech um, that is uh, piloted remotely by another alien entity who's mm -hmm. part of this like council that that's going to be making the, the decision in the end uh then the ais get involved um this is uh the appearance of Sphin, who as i mentioned is kind of a cameo from the ratch trilogy from the main uh, ancillary trilogy um this is an ai from a ship uh the ratch empire used uh ships with their own kind of like person AIs uh, in them and they gained they're trying to get independence from the Ratch uh, trilogy uh, by adding themselves as a sentient entity in the Presger Treaty which would grant them kind of like personhood and uh, political power and things like that and would be a big blow to the Ratch and then Sfin is monitoring this case because you know giving personhood to Quen and uh, Reed would be a very good precedent for their own case uh, to be made. Um, so they become involved, they are very adept at again being kind of like political and a little slimy and uh, manipulating things in their favor. So they've got a lot of very strong allies basically and it is a foregone conclusion that it is going to work. And then this um, alien who's against uh, the uh, you know, granting them rights, basically, uh, space around the Santis, uh, brings in 
uh, this uh, person from, is it the Brothers of Hikipi? Who, I, by thought, the yeah, way, I thought it was. Yes. Yeah. Who, by the way, happened to not believe the press girls exist and are actually a hoax. And there's like anti press girls um, who think it's a kind of like fang narrative to control them. <laughs> uh, uh, they try to assassinate the press girl translator that is witnessing these events. Uh, and in that moment, uh, the Presger translator does some Presger weirdness, uh, transports them to, yeah, like a weird dimension, basically uh, a place that does not uh, stand by the laws of physics as we know them, that is has weird architecture. Um, this is sort of stuff I love, by the way. I really like, again, places that do not make sense. This is... Uh, <laughs> Control for me. This is Alan Wake uh, again, like I the mean, weird. Literally, places. almost Alan yes. Wake with some of the things they're saying there. I was like, okay. Yeah, this first. is <laughs> this is some real, real weirdness uh, they go into, uh, which is again kind of like a place where they can work together and have this little kind of self-contained adventure about trying to bring things back and uh, bring the Presker translator back, who was not dead after all. Um, and this is when Reed and Quinn kind of make up their minds to match, uh, even though I, I, <laughs> I think the author makes a really good job, again, with the will-they-want-they part of mm -hmm. the story. Um, there's parts where I'm absolutely convinced that they're going to match, parts where it looks like it's going to be a tragic story with one of them sacrificing and matching with the weird mech, like spider mech, to, uh, to, to make things work for the other. Uh, and then again, they they definitely maneuver uh, through my expectations, and again, I th I think they deliver very well on that front uh, of keeping me on the edge of my seat about what's going to happen next. Um, and then yeah, they eventually get the space fixed, uh, and they get their rights granted, and then we get these really weird final kind of like events where um, they go in and attack the Brothers of Hikipi ship that is kind of threatening the station. Uh, I, I think that's very silly. I, I did not really enjoy that bit. Uh, I think that was a little much for me. Uh, kind of like they really needed a final act and they decided uh, to have this uh, yeah, again, attack final, on a spaceship. Yeah, like the final act and then one of them gets like, you know, mortally, you know, injured. So then... Yeah, and like, then now. Yeah, yeah, Reed and Quen go in with the soldiers, which makes no sense. Uh, Quen insists because, of course, he was a fan of uh, the pirate show that he watched, and he thought it would be fun to go raid a spaceship with soldiers. And they, for some reason, accept. Like, yeah, I think even the soldier was kind of like exasperated, but just accepted. I'm like, mm, I don't. If, if if your characters are saying this isn't a good idea, then you know maybe we yeah, shouldn't be doing. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. a little. It's a little overwrought, uh, kind yes. of looking for an excuse for one of them to be mortally wounded, but then they match and it, everything's fine. Um, yeah, I kind of rolled my eyes at that bit. <laughs> I, I thought the weird space adventure was probably enough for it without uh, us needing these final bits of uh, yeah. attacking a spaceship. Uh, yeah, I was surprised. Also, I... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I was sort of surprised reading it that it kept going because I'm like, oh, I thought this, yes. and then we'd get back to the court and then it'd be like, yeah, we're, you know, we can do whatever we want. And that would be sort of uh -huh. the end of it. 
Um, but yeah, I think the the final section of the book really is a little uneven in terms of just how much or how little I should say like NA shows up because like yes they they kind of start the whole momentum of the plot and then it's just really just re and Quen for like pretty much the the fi- finale and then yes. you get this really dramatic matching scene and then it's a cuts back to NA and I, it was just I mean, I guess because they started the book, they're going to end the book. It's going to be sort of from their point of view, just from that aspect. But it was just a really abrupt kind of almost cliffhanger-esque like cut. Just mm-hmm. like, did they survive the match? What happened? You know, it's just like you're kind of waiting to hear from that. And it just, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like there wasn't really as much of a place in the last act for NA because they, you know, they had kind of done everything they needed to because they got us to the the trial. But from there, there wasn't really anything that directly tied them to everything that was going on other than they wanted to, like, support, you know, their friends and they felt, you know, responsible for, you know, re, you know, getting in trouble. Um, but it was just, yeah, it was yeah, a little awkward. I, I feel like N.A. NA and uh, Reed's family kind of become a unit character at the second half of the book. There's not much that she can do on her own. So she's mostly kind of parlaying with political entities, trying to find support for Root, for Reed, um, and then being with her family and kind of, again, rooting for Reed from the stand, basically. Uh, there's not much for her to do after she messes up incredibly by reporting Reed's ancestry to the Presger before even talking to him I thought that was kind of ridiculous and very out of character for her or at least I would like to believe that she would probably have had a little more sense than that uh, mm. she was incredibly naive by reporting all of that stuff without even talking to him first um, and then thinking that nothing was going to happen I, I thought that kind of betrayed her character a little bit uh, but that's kind of what propels us to the second part of the book. So I guess it's, you know, they, they need an excuse to get there. Um, but yeah, I, it's funny because the end of the book is everyone going, we did it, and then getting right, and then, uh, you know, having their whole lives ahead of themselves. Uh, but then, yeah, and for then some reason coffee, we get yeah. a... Yeah, and then for some reason we get this very ridiculous last act of <laughs> a boarding of a ship uh, and fighting... Uh, you know, squished in for some reason. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I did really love the book. Uh, I really like all of the themes. Uh, they're very transparent, you know, about all of the all of the alternative pronoun using and, uh, you know, the decision, all of the talking about, again, genetics is not what you are. You are born with, you know, a body, but you get to decide what to do with it and who you really are and what you really think and what, uh, you know, culture you end up adopting and, uh, you know, who, you know, you, you get to define your own identity and that's what everyone should get regardless of their circumstances, um, which I, you know, it's are all themes that I really relate to and I really love and I really like. So, yeah, I uh, great book. I find all of the characters endearing except for NA's, again, moment of, um, stumbling and uh, giving personal information of someone she really didn't know to a government. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, I, I really <laughs> did enjoy uh, the whole book and all of the characters. And again, the way it ties into, yeah, this is going to be a big precedent for the Chips case uh, on their own uh, search for independence and 
political autonomy is uh, very smartly done by by the author. Um, so yeah, any any final thoughts? Uh, anything else you wanted to discuss? I was just gonna say, yeah, for anyone that's a little on the fence or maybe feeling like um, you need sort of that backstory of you know reading the previous trilogy, um, you know, I wasn't lost. There were definitely moments where I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is fleshed out a little bit more. Um, you know, reading the previous books, but I, I, you know, there was never really a moment where I felt like, you know, I was missing some crucial information or I wasn't getting like a clear picture of the world. I feel like um, it was still a very effective book and I, I highly recommend it. I'm actually, you know, considering, you know, going back and reading like the previous trilogy because I've definitely got a feel for this author and um, if the the characters are as, as as memorable as you know these ones were, I, I you know love to to read, you know several books of these types of characters, especially with such a, a rich and uh, realized world. Yeah, it's funny because um, I I'm conflicted about whether I would recommend the earlier trilogy. Uh, if someone loves this, I actually saw a lot of Goodreads reviews because I was kind of browsing through them earlier. Where they go, oh, I hated this book, and I really loved uh, oh, the the Wretch trilogy. So mm. it is a disappointment after such a brilliant uh, kind of like start with the uh, original trilogy. And then I've also seen some reviews where they go, oh, I love this so much more than the original uh, trilogy. Uh, this is unlucky, like coming into her own, and so on and so forth. So <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. But I can kind of see where they come from because um, the Wretch trilogy is a very I God, I I am conflicted about saying that it is drier as a kind of a more kind of standard sci-fi or space opera kind of setup, uh, because the Ratch trilogy also deals with many of these themes about people being conflicted about who they are and their identities. Uh, again, like this resonates with the ship's AI's search for political autonomy and then becoming a sentient species that is not subservient to the Ratch uh, Empire anymore and things like that. But there's also a lot of like drier politics. Um, I feel like the cast is also very likable, not as relatable as N.A. and Reed and Quen. I feel like the strength of this book comes from how um, endearing all of these characters are in like their clumsiness and uh, how they are <laughs> not like experts at what they do. Um, I would say that, you know, the main character in the Ratch trilogy is very much, it's kind of like an expert at what they do, and they have very little space for um, kind of like relatability in a way that um, that all of these, you know, N.A. and Reed and Quen do. Um, they're kind of like a murder bot that is a not... Little bit. That is not charming, just a murder bot, as they should work, uh, basically. So and a little bit more... what they do. A little bit more of, like, a professional versus, like, this yes. local band of, like, misfits that we have. Yes, yes, book. absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, like, you know, everyone in uh, the Ratch trilogy are, like, officers in a spaceship, and they all conduct themselves with that kind of title and uh, in mind, so it's a lot more kind of rigid in terms of characterization uh, in a way that is not as playful as these in translation state i still think i love those books uh, but not for the same reason as i love translation state and i actually am very impressed with lecky's 
versatility in being able to play in those modes uh, really well. Um, there are some characters in the Ratchet trilogy that I th do think like approach um, this level of writing, and you know there are characters that appear in both uh, that series and this one, and I think they meld well. Like Sphin is a really great character. I love how again kind of slimy and manipulative they are, and they <laughs> fit really well in both books. Uh, again, kind of play playing kind of like all sides and um, being super smart about their schemes and things like that. Um, so I, I think they're very much worth reading, and I'm very happy that I read the, the trilogy before I tackled this one. Uh, but yeah, I would also recommend it easily as a standalone, uh, and I probably would recommend this before I recommended the, the original trilogy to people that like, again, like relatable characters, or may have read Murderbot, or the Wayfarer's trilogy, uh, sorry, Anthology, as I mentioned before, I think those are four books, not three. Um, but yeah. Uh, also, just one last thing that I want to mention. Um, I am a little conflicted about how the Hikipi are handled in the book. I don't, th I don't know what we were meant to take away from the fact that they are kind of like the villains at the very end, mm -hmm. uh, uh, or this whole again kind of anti-vaxxer thing with the Presger translators and their beliefs. I guess you know it, this is Lecky doing kind of like moral grace. Um, but at the very beginning, I found them very, uh, kind of, you know, I, I felt bad for them, uh, as a culture that got subsumed by the fan, that got their station destroyed, that had all of their, like, societal customs and religion banned by the fan. Um, I, I do have some degree of solidarity with the brothers of Hikipi, Again, like smuggling weapons and doing spying, uh, spy stuff on the fan and things like that. I, I do think they have, you know, their claims have some merit in that they were conquered by a very aggressive um, kind of like Im imperial uh, society. Uh, so seeing them reduced to, again, villains at the very end, I, don't, mm -hmm. I did not know how to feel about that. Um, we do get, you know, the... We do get Reed's parents who are not Hikipi at least being like uh, very welcoming of his origins and, and you know welcoming him to or like or like encouraging him to explore that side of himself. Um, but yeah, I I had conflicting feelings about how the book ultimately treated the Hikipi, um, given their like cultural history and uh, political history and and you know their struggles within Fen society. Yeah, I think that's a valid criticism. Um, I, 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 now that you've mentioned it, I, I definitely, I think, saw some of that undercurrent. Maybe not as as directly as you did, but definitely, um, I, I, I can see a similar, you know, unease with that. Um, they, the narrative of the the story kind of, you know, made up its mind, sort of how this group of people was, and then there wasn't really any like course correction or really any time to like explore that um it and yeah i think sort of just painting it at the end of this you know they're the they're the villains of this tale especially in a book yeah. that's supposed to be like truly about like identity and you know discovering who you are it seems kind of a little short-sighted yeah it, it you know struck me as a little weird i, I almost wonder if that's like leaving things open for a sequel or you know for I, I'm sure that Lek is not going to give up the Ratch setting anytime soon. 
Uh, so I wonder if we're going to be hearing more about the Hikipi in the future. Um, but yeah, that very last, that's kind of like you know, the, the thing that the, the, uh, the, the thing that really bothered me about that last act with the spaceship threatening the station, all of that, uh, mm. you know, the Hikipi being the villains at the end, I yeah didn't sit super well with me. And I'm really wondering about what Lecky was exactly intending to do with them and, and what they me were meant to represent as, again, this uh, conquered species. Uh, but yeah, uh, that that's about it. Um, again, a really good book. I rated it five stars. I, you know, again, kind of like a new personal favorite. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, uh, with that said, uh, our book for next month is um, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by... Uh, I forgot the author's name. I probably should have brought it up before I said that. Uh, it's Taylor Jenkins Reid, um, which is a fantastic book, which I have already read, and I'm very excited to talk about it, hopefully, uh, soon, uh, because, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I am excited to read it. I have not read it. I am behind this month. Um, okay. So... so... I am hoping I can uh, get to it before the end of the month, but just with the holidays and everything, I am still oh, catching yeah. up on everything. So we'll see. I'll at least get it started before the the new year when ready. Yeah, to talk you about should it. take your uh, time with this one. I really enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. Um, yeah, I will say no more. Okay. All right. That <laughs> that leaves me intrigued enough, where I I, I have a feeling we're we're really gonna have a good discussion about this next one. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, do you have anything else before we uh, wrap this one up? No, that's, that's pretty much it for me. No socials, but you can always find me in a good book. And I hope everyone Great. has a, has a happy holiday and a happy new year. Yeah. Uh, I'll try to release this before the end of the year. So have a happy new year. If you happen to listen to it, uh, before the year is over. Um, and with that said, you can find me at Fireblend on uh, Blue Sky, although I don't really post there anymore. Uh, I've been really stopping my like social media activity, uh, especially lately. But you can still reach me there if you're interested. And you can uh, reach this podcast's uh, account at Stray Reads Pod on Twitter. I, I haven't even bothered to create one for Blue Sky yet. I don't, I don't know if I will, <laughs> honestly. Um, but yeah, um, have a good night or you know evening or morning or what have you, um, and read on. Thanks. Nice.